This is our, uh, the series that we are in. We launched it last week on Easter as we got to say yes to the new life we have in Christ. And, and part of that message we talked about, there are two aspects of that life. The first part, which we really talked about mostly last week, was to, to live. Right? Uh, it's important that uh, life means to live. Otherwise, what's the point, right? So uh, we get to say yes to a new life in Christ, be alive in Christ. We do that. We realize we are saved by God's grace through our faith in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And that we express that faith to him by our belief and our repentance and confession and baptism and our discipleship. And, and that's really uh, a great thing. So being alive in Christ is great. But that's not the only thing. There's another aspect to being to a new life in Christ. It's not just to be alive, but to live. Now, God has a much better way for us to live. And so uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. And really the rest of this series is about how do we engage in that better life that God has for us? How do we say yes to that? Now, this series falls within a, a bigger uh, thing that we'll be doing all t- 2019, and uh, that's, we are focusing on worship. And uh, let me explain how this kind of fits into that. Uh, when we were praying for the church and thinking about as we were scheduling in advance, what's the church need? Well, what does God have for us? One of the things we realized that this year was really to center ourselves on God, that worship is really a, a critical aspect of our faith. And so we're taking this year to really uh, to focus on God and to, and to worship Him. And what is worship? Well, it's not just singing. As we've discovered so far this year that worship is, is really whatever our lives revolve around. That's what we worship. And so, you know, uh, if you, uh, your life revolves around your job or your kids or your family or whatever, whatever it is your life revolves around is really what you worship. And Jesus said that God is spirit and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so we want to make sure that we're really, that we're centering our life in Christ. Right, really have Christ at the center of our life. And so this is what we're doing this year. In Scripture, we find that there are three very objective, very tangible aspects that God invites us to worship Him in. And those are with our time and with our talent and with our treasure. And in February, we began with the easiest of the three, which is to worship God with our treasure. And uh, we started that with our, uh, our Finding Financial Freedom series that we did there. We had over 50 families coming together. We're, we're uh, taking our, our four-month tithe challenge, and we're doing this together, being able to set God at the center of our life with our treasure. In September, we're going to be uh, focusing on how to worship God with our time. And that's probably the hardest one in our culture, and I'm very excited to share that with you. You'll find it very freeing. It's amazing when we actually center our our life and our time around God. But uh, this series is about how do we worship God with our talent. And that's what really began our investigation into what does that even mean. And as we studied God's Word into this, it really just unlocked so many amazing things in Scripture. It opened, at least my eyes, and I think the staff, it was a definite paradigm shift as to what we thought life and ministry was all about. And that's what we get to share about starting today. And so saying yes to how do we worship God with our talent. Now, in our every series, we have a Bible memory verse that carries us through the series. Our Bible memory verse for this series is Ephesians 2.10 that says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. 
Let's take our Bibles out. We want to get into God's Word. It's going to be Ephesians chapter 4 is where we're going to be today. Last week we were in Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, if you have one of our Bibles, that's going to be on page 815. If you forgot your Bible today, don't worry about it. We've got plenty of them in the back by the sound booth. You can use one of those. And if you need a Bible, just keep it. Our gift to you. Now, uh, last week we talked about the book of Ephesians. It was written by the Apostle Paul through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It was a letter that he wrote to the church at Ephesus. And the reason that the Holy Spirit had him write this letter is to encourage the church to show them how to live this new life in Christ. What did it mean? And so uh, last week, while we were in Ephesians 2, we saw that that new life begins by following Jesus. We were saved by God's grace through faith. But by the time we get to chapter 4, which is really the middle of the letter, Paul is really talking about the application of that new life. How do we live that life? And that's why we're going to begin there today. We're going to start on verse 11, and then we're going to read through verse 16. So if you have it, you can just read along with me. It says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his body for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ." Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And a powerful passage that we find there. This morning, what I'm going to do is, is I want to give you three observations about ministry from this passage, and then we're going to conclude talking about how do we say yes to ministry. And you say, Aaron, why are we talking about ministry? Well, you remember that memory verse? I hope so. It was just a few seconds ago that we did it. You see in here, it talks about things of good works that we're called to serve. Do you see those words that are in there? Do you know that good works or service, when they're done as an expression of faith, is called ministry? That's what ministry is. See, anybody can do good works, can't they? Have you met like an atheist or even Satanists can do good things from time to time, can't they? Now, we see that. In fact, when we read the Gospels, we read oftentimes there were groups of people that were just doing good things, but not as an expression of faith. And because it wasn't an expression of faith, oftentimes those good works actually stunted people's growth and spiritual, their spiritual growth. It made them haughty or it made them look down their nose at other people and, and say, I'm better than you. Have you ever met somebody who does a lot of good works and they're just, a, a, just awful to be around because they're just a goody two-shoes, right? We don't want goody-goodies. It's not what it was about. What's the difference between doing good works... And growing through good works. Well, when the good works are done as an expression of faith, all of a sudden it has an opportunity to transform us. That's the difference. That's called ministry. That is what we're going to be talking about today. The good works as an expression of our faith that we get to do in Christ and for His glory. Three observations about ministry that we find from this passage. And the first one is this, is that ministry is discipleship. 
This blew my mind when I finally realized it because it was the exact opposite of the way that I thought that it worked. I thought that, that discipleship was ministry, right? But what we find here is that ministry is itself discipleship. In that passage that I read to you, did you hear the correlation between serving Christ, ministry, and maturity? Yeah, it said that we are to that God He gives the church equippers so the church can serve, and the church is supposed to serve. Catch this in verse thirteen. It says, "Until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attain the whole measure of the fullness of Christ." That somehow in service we find maturity. This is exact opposite of the way that I thought it worked. I think that, I don't know if you were like me, but for many years I had thought that ministry was for the mature. And the reason I thought ministry was for the mature is that I saw people who were in ministry, who were ministering, whether or not they were doing it professionally or in a lay capacity, but those who were ministering typically were fairly spiritually mature. And so I drew the natural, logical conclusion that ministry was for mature people. Ministry was for the mature Christians. It didn't dawn on me that the reason that I saw mature people in ministry is because it was by doing ministry that they became mature. I had it backwards. Now we see here that in the scripture, it tells us that there is a way to grow individually and as a church mature. It says in verse 14, then we will no longer be infants. This was sea changing for me. See, we thought that the way of growing mature in Christ was a lot of things like, I'm going to come, I'm going to worship together, that's important, I'm going to study God's word, I'm going to pray a lot, I'm going to do all those things, and those are important. We, we need to make sure that we're feeding ourselves and connecting with God and all of that. But we also find oftentimes that Christians who we baptize into Christ would come and do those things and then stall out. Where was the maturity? And the frustration was that we were waiting for them to be mature so then we could ask them to serve. We had it backwards. You know, the really cool thing about God's word is whenever you go to it, it doesn't ask you what you think. You have to go to God's word and say, what did God, what do you think, Lord? And when he shows you that, there is always an opportunity and always grace to correct. And that's what we're doing. And we saw this and we said, wait, ministry is discipleship. Ministry, according to this passage, leads to all kinds of great things. Faith. It leads to unity. It leads to spiritual maturity. It leads to doctrinal maturity. It leads to stability. Ministry is powerful. And so we find that the way to this maturity is through ministry. It's through serving God as an act of faith. Which means that we had it. We had to change how we thought about ministry. In the past, we have roles in the church that we asked people to do once we looked out and said, yeah, you're qualified, we're going to ask you to do this thing. And if we were qualified, we would ask you to do the thing. Really, the thing that we asked to do then was the more important thing, right? Whatever the job actually was more important than the person because the person was the one that needed to be qualified. But what I find in the Word, I find in this, and as we looked at, at, the, at how Jesus ministered, how he built disciples through ministry, we discovered that there's this truth in there, and that's this, is that... Who we're becoming is more important than what we do. Really let that sit in. Who we are becoming. This was, this was the emphasis of Christ when he asked his disciples to serve, wasn't it? This is the emphasis of this passage, that the people, the church, is being equipped to serve, not so that way church happens. 
It doesn't say that God gave the church equippers so that way the job could get done. It said that God gave the church equippers so the church could serve so the church could become mature. The goal is discipleship. Do you see that? Who we are becoming. Which means that even if we're serving God, which is we could be doing really good things, if we're doing that just out of just obligation, not as expression of faith, we might find ourselves serving in a ministry role, caring for other people, but spiritually dying, stalling out. What God wants us to become is closer to Him. He wants to change us from the inside out. He wants to transform us from selfish infants into mature and mighty warriors for his kingdom. How does that process change? How, does, how, do, we, how do we get from here to there? <laughs> well, we recognize that it's in the do and the good works matter. They're important. But what's more important is who we're becoming. Which means that it's not enough just to ask us to serve. It's not enough for our pastors just to say to you, there are areas to serve in. It's, it's walking along beside each of us in the process and saying, how are we growing closer to Christ in this? Is your service an expression of faith? If you're struggling with that, how can we help? This has got to have, it's built in. It's amazing how God works. So who we're becoming is more important than what we do. What we do is important. Who we're becoming is, is far more important. So discipleship is our goal. This is what we want to be. We say at the Christian church, we are disciples of Jesus that build disciples of Jesus. So we want to follow Christ's method. That means that service, ministry, has got to be part of that. But ministry itself can't be the goal. Getting closer to Jesus must be. The second observation about ministry is this then, is that ministry then is also worship. This is why I think it's so transformative. Ministry is placing God at the center of our life. You see, in the Bible, uh, God uses all kinds of uh, analogies. The Holy Spirit uses all kinds of analogies for the church, right, who we are. And one of those is he talks about us as a body, and that's what it's being talked about here. And the reason that's such a powerful analogy is because uh, God created both human bodies and the church body, and there's some things that are very similar between the two. For example, Paul talks about another passage that the body doesn't just have one part, just duplicated, right? Anybody have Legos? You ever tried to build a body with just the same shape, just the four, it doesn't ever happen. It's going to look weird and Frankensteinish, right? If God just had us like Legos, like you were just plug and play anywhere, right? We would look like a Duplo body, lifeless and weird. But that's not how he made us. He made us each unique. It says in the scripture that there, some of us are eyes, some of us are ears, some of us are hands, some of us are feet. I'm sure somebody's a pancreas. I don't know who you are, but you're out there, Right? We all have a part, right? And knowing that part helps us to serve God within that role. Remember our memory verse that says that we are all we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do, right? That they, we recognize that you were made special, uniquely designed by God to do something. You're part of his body. But being part of a body is great, but if the body is just a bunch of pieces that are all falling apart on the ground, it doesn't do very much work, right? It's got to be held together. How is the body of Christ held together? Join me in, in a verse 16. This is what it says. It says, from him, that is Christ. From him, 
the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, it grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. That ministry is how we put Christ at the center so he holds us together. Do you see that? Each part does its own special work. That's ministry. But it's Christ that holds the body together. See, when the church is not ministering, we are separating ourselves from God's design for us. We are out of whack with the, with the body, and it creates dysfunction. But when we invest our talents in the ministry, the good works that God prepared in advance for us to do, God holds us together. That's powerful. Because what God holds together, I don't know anybody can separate, Right? That's a powerful, amazing thing. Now think about the implication of that for you, because that's a big ethereal concept, but it means something for us today. If God is the one that holds us together, that means that God is the one who brought you here to be held together. If we take this at face value, which we should, that we are God's handiwork, that we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do, that applies to each of us individually, right? as well as corporately. That means if God prepared good works for you and he crafted you, that means that you are here for a reason. Not just on earth for a reason. You are not just part of humanity for a reason. No, you are in Estes Park for a reason. There are good works which God crafted you for, which he prepared in advance for you to do. Think about that. Think about the purpose that means, the value that God has placed upon you. He waited thousands of years, prepared you and the things that he wants to do through you for today. You're not just in Estes Park, by the way, uh, by accident. You're here on purpose, but you're also not just in Estes Park. You're a part of the Christian church of Estes Park. God didn't just bring you to a place. He brought you to a body. Your good works were designed by God to be equipped, empowered in and through the body of Christ. You're part of this church family, which means that God has prepared good works for you to do here. And it's not just that God brought you to the Christian church of Estes Park. He brought you to the Christian church of Estes Park in 2019 because God is a good planner. And he prepared good works in advance for you to do, which means that you are equipped, we are equipped to do what God has called us to do and to succeed wildly in it. We have to trust that, which is why this is worship. It's an expression of faith. When I serve God as an expression of this, as of saying, God, I trust you. I believe in faith that I am your handiwork. Another verse calls that a masterpiece. God did not make a mistake when he made you. And it's not just you and your body. It's your talents. It's your history. It's all the things that you've gone through. God has shaped you and crafted you for today. That you are God's masterpiece. By serving him, you are saying, God, I trust you in this. That's called faith. When I begin to serve, that there's good works that God prepared in advance for me. When I begin to engage in those good works... All of a sudden, I am trusting God that he actually prepared good works for me. That's faith. Just like it was with the tithe. Remember, we said the tithe was different than everything else. God said, set apart the first 10, right? As a trust, trust me. It's different than everything else. It's an expression of faith. I'm going to be there. I'm part of it. I'm providing for you. It's the same thing with ministry. 
It's the best. It's the first of who I am, my talents. I'm trusting that God made me for good works before anything else. And so ministry is faithfulness. Ministry, when I begin to serve God, I'm saying to God, yes, yes, God, I trust you, and I'm going to do that. And God works powerfully through that type of trust and obedience, doesn't he? Yes, he does. And so we find that ministry is not just faithfulness, but faithful engagement in ministry then is worship. It's putting God at the center of my life through my talents. You see how that works? It centers my life in a very good way. It's, I'm, a, I'm a football coach, and so here in, uh, we're going to be going to a camp here in June. I'm looking forward to it. I'm learning this whole new offense that we're doing. It's going to blow my mind. I've been looking at it so far. But as we're in that, one of the things that we find in, in football is you've got to have good balance, right? There's something called the ready-ready position, right? Ready-ready position means that you're not on one foot like this, right? Because you get tipped over, right? You're not ready to react, right? Your, your, your balance is off. But when you're centered properly, man, you're ready to take on anything, When we are centered in Christ, it makes us stable. It allows our faith to withstand all kinds of the storms of life. It positions us to not just weather the difficult things in life, but to to execute God's excellence through them, right? This is what ministry does for us. It puts us in the center of what God has for us. It puts him in the center of our life. And God is the only one, the only being that has enough gravity to hold our lives together, right? Which is why they need to revolve around him. So... Ministry. Ministry is powerful. It is discipleship. Ministry is worship. But, but there's ministry is, is something else that I think that's really important for us to see. And that's this. Is ministry is empowered by God. It's not just us going out and doing these things. Right? If ministry was just us going and doing good works, then what's the point? We're nothing different than just the do-gooders that are out there. I can't transform me. Right? I can't hold us all together, neither can you. Sometimes I can't hold myself together. But here's the thing, is that God holds, is holding us together. God's at work in this. Did you see in verse 11, who is it that gave the church, the pastors and the teachers and all them? Did you see that? Because you, if you have your Bible, you might even want to circle it because it's pretty cool. It says Christ himself. Christ himself. God didn't delegate this off. He didn't even give it to like Gabriel or Michael or one of those awesome archangels. God himself, Christ himself, he said, there is this church in Estes Park in backwood, thousands of miles away from Jerusalem, thousands of years removed. And he himself has provided for our needs. Jesus began by equipping his disciples to go serve, didn't he? And he's continuing to personally make sure we are equipped. God is in this. I think if you look at uh, verse 11, who is it to hold the church together again? Christ himself. Do you understand that this is not just some theological mumbo-jumbo? This is not just terms that we throw out there when we say Christ is with us that we say to make ourselves feel good. He is literally with us. He is amongst us. Look at the difference that the apostles did. That, That their lives were different than every other group around that same time. I mean, the apostles were able to to reach a mass of people in their own land, weather horrible tragedy, and then overcome that with an amazing amount of success until Rome itself bent a knee to the kingdom of God. Every other group failed spectacularly compared to that tiny group of men. 
Why? Because Jesus was with them. That's why. You understand that, that uh, ministry is, is something so much more than us. Right? I think oftentimes we talk about ministry and we think of it as, as just something else that I have to do. And we think of it that way because in the past we thought ministry is just for those that are really mature. And so once I become really mature in Christ, then the church is going to ask me to do something else. Something more that I'm going to have to add to my schedule. But when you realize that ministry is what we are called to, we recognize that, that ministry is, is not just something else that I have to do. It, it's not just another thing to put on my schedule. It's not one more thing to try to fit in. You see, ministry is when I center my life on Christ. Ministry is when I recognize that I'm working with God to do amazing things. And therefore, we find that ministry is actually how we say yes to the good works that God has prepared in advance for me to do, right? This is, this is for me saying yes to God. I'm going to follow you, and in so doing, ministry is not just how I say yes to God, but it's even this. It's how we invite God to work through us. God is with us, but ministry is the means by which he, we say, God, you please come into my life and work through me. See, ministry is a superhuman activity, isn't it? If it was a human activity, I'd have human results. But ministry doesn't have human results. Ministry is the reality that God is actually in us and working amongst us. And because ministry is that invitation of us to work with God and for God to come and, and to work in and through our lives, ministry has a superhuman effect. The sum total of what our church can do is so much more than the sum total of what our church could do. Which is why when we began this process, I changed how I pray for you. I changed how I pray for the church. I started asking different questions. See, in the past, I, I prayed for our church, and I would say, God, I would look out and believe that God brought everybody here, and I'd say, God, you're equipping the church for the work you want us to do. And so I would look out, and, I would, and I would, as I was praying for folks, I would say, God, what can we do? That was too small. You see, now I recognize this is working with God. The question is, God, what can we do? God, what can you do through us? What do you want to do through us? You see, if Jesus looked at his 12 disciples and he asked, what can these guys do? Open a falafel stand? I don't know, right? Change the world probably wasn't the top thing. How about when he saw David in that field, that tiny runt out there running around gallivanting with the sheep? They look and say, well, what can you do, David? Now is what can I do through you? See, God can take little shepherd boys and turn them into kings. He can take these beauty princesses and turn them to, to mighty queens who save their people. God can take the average, and he can do things that are extraordinary. That's his M.O. This is how he works. And it's not just how he worked. Are you sick and tired of hearing people say, oh, in the Bible times, God did miracles? Uh, I read the book until the end of Revelation. We are in Bible times. God is at work in us and amongst us. The evidence of that is when we partner with him, when the church is held together by Christ, growing mature, doing what God has called us to do, building each other up, staying solid. Then God was something in us so much greater than we could ever do on our own. We get to be part of his miracle. You see, this community has so many bigger needs than we ourselves could ever fill. 
Do you look into the brokenness of our culture sometimes and just feel overwhelmed? You say the darkness is too dark. The problems are too big. The pain is too intense. What can we do? Wrong question. God, what are you going to do? That's why I changed how I pray. I don't pray any longer, God, what, what can we do? I say, God, what will you have us do? My prayers for you change, by the way. As I pray for you on my list every week and I go through and I pray for you, I used to pray this, God, bless them, right? God, would you work in their life, bless what they're doing so that way they can bring you honor. That's what I used to pray. I don't pray that anymore. I say, God, may they be a blessing to you. That's what I pray for you. I pray that God would put you into his stream, what he's doing. That God would direct you to be part of what his great work is. This is how it changes. We say, God, we're going to trust you. We're going to obey what you have for us. And so we don't look around and say what we can do. We look up and say, God, this is big for us, but it's tiny for you. What will you have us do? And then we just say, yes, yes, I'm following you. And so we invite you. Ministry is an invitation. It's an invitation to be part of God's miracle, an invitation to be part of the adventure. It's an invitation to step out of just the doldrum of this world and the tininess of just living a human life based upon human needs and human goals and human power. It says, God, I want to join you. I want to see your power work in us and through us. I want to see you reach our nation. I want to see you do what we could never do so that you alone can receive the glory. And it's pretty awesome when you're part of that. So we find that ministry is discipleship. We find that ministry is worship. We see that ministry is empowered by God. But then you say, well, then how do I say yes to that? How do I do that? Well, that's what we're going to talk about the rest of this series, really. But let me just give you a preview of how that works. So we have to start by at least having the attitude of saying yes to God, right? To have the attitude of saying, I'm going to have enough faith to trust you, just like we did with the tithe, right? Saying, God, I'm going to trust that you're going to be there. It's the same thing for ministry because it's going to cost you something. It's going to cause a change in how you live, right? You're going to say, yes, God, you have something for me. I need to figure out what that is. We have to begin by at least being willing to say, God, I'm going to be willing to trust you. That's where it begins, And then these next five weeks, we're going to go through, we're going to talk about different areas in the church you can serve, right? Uh, And so what are those areas? Well, I'll say, like, as a a church, we've designed, we're a body, and and bodies have different systems, right? You have, like, your your, uh, circulatory system, your nervous system, your digestive system, there's all these systems your body has, right? And so God specifically makes certain parts for those systems, right? Aren't you glad your digestive system is different than, you know, like, your nervous system? right? That's good. There's different parts. So it is with the body of Christ. So we did is we looked in our body and we said, what are the major areas? What kind of systems are there in the church for us to serve within? And over the next, we found there's five of them. So the next five weeks, we're going to go through one each week and talk about what those systems are and then opportunities to serve within them. Now, the last few months, our church has really been our pastor, our staff has been working really hard at finding ways of creating opportunities to serve in those systems. You see, uh, the world's operation, the way it worked, was efficiency. Uh, if, if ministry was about you being mature enough, then we would find that you were able to handle a lot of stuff, and then we would ask you to do that. But I found that God's not so interested in efficiencies. It's, he's concerned about effectiveness, right? He wants the whole body to grow. So what we did is we looked at those areas of ministry, and we looked at these jobs and these opportunities that we had to serve with them, and then we broke them down, and so they were bite-sized, so it actually followed Jesus' model, his method of how he discipled people. For example, Peter right? Jesus asked Peter to be the rock of the church, right, as it first started, but he didn't do that on week one. 
Can you imagine? On day one, if, if Jesus came up to Peter and says, I, I know what I've called you to do, Peter. I'm going to build my entire church upon you. Peter had been like, I'm out. Right? It took three years to build Peter to a point that he was willing and able to take that higher level of, of, of work, wasn't it? So how did Jesus build Peter up? Well, the same way he built all his disciples. The first thing he did, he made it, the first steps were always accessible. The first step with Jesus was usually this, just follow me. And then he was like, listen to me. And he was like, watch this. And he was like, hey, now you try. See, what Jesus did is he provided rational, good next steps. He also provided very clear things, like you're going to do this. And he also equipped his disciples to do those things. And if we want to follow Jesus' model, that's what we want to do. And so that's what we've been spending time in the staff, where a lot of effort being able to put together descriptions, opportunities for you to take good first steps into ministry. And in order to do that, that's what that wonderful, lovely board, which you may have seen standing there between you and your donuts right there, it's called our Say Yes kiosk. The Say Yes kiosk is there as an opportunity for us to place opportunities for you to see where to serve. And so as we go through the different areas of service, you're going to find on there, these little cards start to show up. And these are just ministry descriptions. That's all they are. Each ministry area has a different color that's on there and has a job description on there. So you've got a cool title and we made cool titles for you because those are awesome. And then it has a describe what it is that you want to do, right? This is what that ministry is. All the ministries have a start date and end date. All is very clear as to what it is. Um, and then if you're interested in joining in that ministry, you can fill this out so you could take the top part home so you can pray over it. But the bottom part you can drop in the offering basket or there'll be a basket out there to drop it in. And uh, so over the next five weeks, what we're going to be doing is each week we'll be unveiling a new system. And so that way you don't have any peer pressure to feel like you have to sign up. But as God leads you and you find a role to fill, then you can sign up and then you let us know that you want to be connected and we will help you connect in ministry. That's how we'll be doing it. What are the five systems that we have in the church? Look at that cool graphic. I did that. All right. First one is hospitality and care. Next one is worship. Then there's children and youth. There's discipleship. And finally, we'll talk about administration and leadership. Now, those are very big systems, just like your circulatory system has all kinds of different things within it, right? Each one of those has a lot of opportunities and areas. For example, let's talk about discipleship. Discipleship, there's personal discipleship. There's actually serving in the community. A lot of us actually serve as volunteers in different areas of the community. There's, uh, that's part of our missions outreach. That's part of discipleship. There's classes, Bible studies, uh, life groups. So there's a lot of things in each one of those. So what you want to do is you want to be here for the next five weeks. You don't want to miss. Here's why. So you're going to go through and talk about each of these areas. In Scripture, why do we have that in the body? And then what are areas that you can, attack, you can connect with in our church? How can you say yes to those things? So what do I want from us this week? How do we prepare ourselves for saying yes to ministry? Well, come here and, and study. Read about, uh, find out about these things. But this week, the first thing we want to do is we want to prepare our hearts you'll notice that I've given you no opportunity to sign up for a ministry today, and that's on purpose. You see, I, I gave you a really good sell. I mean, I really, I laid it on today, didn't I? Yeah. The reason I did is because God's word really does, and we need to step into it, but I don't want you to, to answer God as a force of, of just being comp- you know, compelled by me. We need to let God's Holy Spirit work within us, right? So this week, I have some next steps on your connection card, but they're about preparing our hearts to say yes to what God has for us. So if you have your connection card... You please take those out. You notice on the back, like every week, I have opportunities, next steps for you to take. Remember, discipleship is just following after Jesus one step at a time. Now, here's some steps that we can take together this week to prepare ourselves to really worship God with our talents. The first thing you might want to do this week is to say, yes, I'm going to memorize Ephesians 2.10. 
Why? God's word has got to be at the center of this, right? We have to be anchored to what he said. Memorizing what, what the, Paul, through the Holy Spirit, says in Ephesians 2, that I am God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for me to do. That will change you once you start to really begin to own it. So this week, not just memorizing it, but then start to pray it. Trust it. Let your faith be an expression of what God has to say. Begin there. Something else you might want to do is read Ephesians 4 through 6. Why chapters 4 through 6? Because last week I invited you to read chapters 1 through 3. And so if you were here last week, you can just read the second half of Ephesians. If you just did last week or whatever, I invite you to read the whole book. It's not long. It will take you 10, 15 minutes. But it's a powerful book, and it talks about living the new life in Christ. Spend time in God's Word. How about this? The third next step I'm going to challenge you to take is this. This is an expression of faith. This is a declaration to God that I don't know, God, what I am supposed to say yes to you in yet, but I'm going to say yes. It says, I'm going to say yes to ministry. I'm going to say yes to serving you, God, as an expression of my faith. Yes to the good works that you prepared in advance for me to do. It's a declaration saying, God, right now, I am ready to follow you. I don't know exactly where that is, but I have the heart to follow. If you put that down there, you know that this week I'm going to be praying for you because the enemy's coming after you. But also, uh, I want to pray that God guides you in this. The last thing is you might be saying, Aaron, I, you talk about these different areas of service, the different systems. He's like, I don't know if I'm a hand or if I'm an eyeball or if I'm a foot or if I, maybe I am the pancreas. I don't know. If that is you, do not worry. Christ himself gave the church pastors and teachers and all kinds of great things to help equip you. One of them is actually here today. Not just one. There's several. But one of them is we have Kate McMillan teaches a class called Getting Your Gifts in Gear. And she's done this for years. She's gifted at it. It's one of the areas that she serves church. And she teaches a class. It's two weeks. It's, on, it's weeknights, a uh, couple hours for two weeks. Um, just two days, really. But it's like one day and then two different weeks. So that guy, yeah, you have time to really think through and pray through stuff. And goes through is about who God crafted you to be. If you would like to be part of that, I cannot stress highly enough what a value this will be for you, whether you're new to serving in ministry or if you want to have a checkup to say, am I still shaped like I used to be? This is a great class. But in order for us to schedule a class, I need to know that people want to be part of that. If you would like to join us for one of those classes, what I would like you to do is let me know. Say, I would like to be part of our attending our next gifts class if you do that make sure i have your email address and a way to contact you so i can tell you when we're doing that and we'll be doing that hopefully not terribly long also on our website we have our shape series which has some tools there as well that you can use Uh, whatever it is i would say take this week and begin asking god how can i center myself worshiping you with my talents that's what we need to do in a second we take our offering as we do it's an opportunity to take your these write your prayer requests right? And then drop these connection cards in the offering basket as they are passed. Once we do that, I'm going to pray for our offering, and then I'm going to go change, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to have a baptism, and I invite you to stay for that. All right, let's pray for our offering and for our our connections. Father God, we love you. You're worthy. You've called us not to be saved by our works, which we're grateful for. But Father, we're grateful that you've given us the dignity to be saved for good works. Help us, this church, these next five weeks, as we begin the process of saying yes to you, to do so responsibly as an expression of our faith. Would you grow us as a mature body at doing this, Lord? Would you transform us? We invite your Holy Spirit to work in and amongst us to do the things that only you can do in us and through us for this community and for your glory. 
Lord, we took next steps today. We've made commitments. Help us to keep those in a way that glorifies you. Father, we pray, too, for our tithes and our offerings. We're centering you in, in, our, in our lives. We are worshiping you with our time, with our talent, with our treasure. Lord, we're putting you at the middle because you're worthy of that. Please accept these gifts, these offerings, and these commitments as an expression of our worship to you, the only one who is worthy. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.